Happiness is an inside job. At Happy Healthy You, Connie Bowman helps us find our way with inspiring conversations and healthy ideas for living a whole life in mind, body, and spirit. Happy Healthy You, and now here's Connie. Welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast about living a whole life in mind, body, and spirit. You know what it's about because you're my regular listeners. And if this is your first time listening to Happy Healthy You, welcome. You are so welcome here. We talk about everything that can help us live happier and healthier and more spiritually evolved and balanced. So you're in good hands here. So before we get started, I just want to give a special shout out to Blue Planet Eyewear, our sponsor. They are the makers of beautiful, stylish, really hip readers for hip people like me who need readers. Also, uh, sunglasses, really cute sunglasses. So check them out. And as a Happy Healthy You listener, you can get a nice 20% off with the code Connie20. So here with us today is one of my favorites, my favorite goddess, Sierra Bender. She's been on the podcast before, and she is fresh off a trip, feeling spiritually empowered. I can tell she's all glowing uh, with the magic of her trip that she took with a group of goddesses to Machu Picchu, and I want to talk to her about that. I also want to talk to Sierra a little bit about the post-me to movement and what is our call to action and what is the call to action for all of the men who are you know the supporters of those of us who have been um, going through a lot of this and also about some new things that she has up her sleeve to help us all live more empowered and awesome lives so thanks for coming back sierra it's so oh my good gosh, to... hi, it's so great to uh, reunite goddesses unite goddesses yeah and sierra's talking to us from her barn with her beautiful horse divine divine love what's his name what's his name simply simply divine i was there when he was born and he took his first steps and i said oh my god what a simply divine creature and then so awesome. divine yeah. And I just introduced Sierra to my new puppy, um, Sophia, which means divine yeah. wisdom. So we are in alignment, girl. Good. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, um, I just want to talk to you a little bit about Machu Picchu because you take these retreats every year. You've been doing it for how many years? Like 13, 15, something like that? 13 with the group, but I did two prior by myself. Yeah. So you, okay. kn- you know, you know, the people down there and you, you know the energy and so yeah. you had a big group it looks like this year how'd it go oh it went it went amazing because i did a new path because it's getting so touristy and i don't like to do anything touristy and so i went on this new path to this new mountain it's called the princess mountain because there's female mountains and male mountains and usually i did salkatai which is the male mountain and this time i went to um the female mountains it was just so funny. I was like, no way, the Princess Mountain, right? But That's it was so a 15,000 feet elevation we climbed to, and the natives never even seen white people. That's how remote wow. we were on the mountain, and wow. nobody was there. And it's where the shamans go to get baptized and do their initiations. Wow, wow. So um, what is what would you say was the essence of the takeaway from this trip? Wow, good question. Maybe you're not sure because you haven't been back that long. Sometimes it takes a while well, to process. 
It was really, for me, because it was the feminine mountains, it was really honoring my own energy and feminine energy and how it works. You know, I got the warrior part down. You know, I was climbing mountains. You're not there to defeat the mountain. You're there to become one with the mountain. But for me, it was leading from the back. You know, I'm always used to being in the front. And now that I'm older and now that I understand the value of my energy, my time, and um, my limitations, I felt so good holding the space from the back instead of always being on the front line. Interesting. Interesting. Let me just take that in. Yeah, yeah. So um, you're a little behind me. I'm I'm pretty well into my crone years, and I'm looking forward to being a, a full, fully embodied crone. So, yes. um, how's that going for you so far? Actually, I'm really um, enjoying it. I got it down because it, I've always, you know, been into women's femininity and energy mm-hmm. and how the yoni works, the moon works, all that. So for me, it wasn't really difficult. It's just balancing my um, hormones by my adrenals, which is everything that I teach. Everything for women is based upon your adrenals, which then affects your hormones and how you eat and not giving your power away. So to me, a hot flash, I always laughed was I always had hot flashes when somebody pissed me off. Yeah, you're used to it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, your blood pressure goes up, you know, and, you, and it's kind of like a... Um, a, uh, a thermometer, I'd always say, about how I'm giving my power away or my energy away. You, you start to realize it. You know, it's like, wow. Yeah. So my surge. Yeah. Well, the crone years look good on you so far. <laughs> you. you do. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I actually have not had hot flashes. Knock on, knocking on wood right now. Um, I feel like yoga and meditation and all the practices that I know you have taught and I've been in your boot camp and um, mm-hmm. it, I feel like it really keeps things much more balanced. So, so anybody who's having issues with that, you might want to get a hold of Sierra's book. Um, I should have said, yeah, Sierra is the author of Goddess. I have it right here, I think. Goddess to the Core. I keep it really close to my desk. Where is it? I don't. I think I moved it to my yoga room so I can share it with people. Goddess to the core. Um, I've passed that book on to so many people, so it's a great Thank book. You. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay, so I want to talk about some of the some of the things that you've been saying on Facebook Live since you got back. We had this conversation right before this um, since you've gotten back from Machu Picchu, and maybe it's been going on, and I just didn't notice it. But um, your post Me Too call to action for men is just. So um, it's really inspiring to me, and I hope it's inspiring to a lot of the men if they're listening to you. But I listened to a video that you recorded um, just this morning, and it was so comprehensive, so articulate. And you gave like the whole spiel about what women need from men and what men really need from women. And it was so perfect. And if we could just ah, come together, it would all be great. We'd all be having great sex. We'd love each other and the world would just be a happy place. I felt like you just (laughs) nailed it. You nailed it. Can we talk about that? Because no one else is really talking about it the way you are. Me too has been really revelatory, right? Maybe just like talk a little bit about your impression because I haven't talked to you since all this stuff went down with everybody. Crazy. Well, for the Me Too movement, for me, um, it's about there's an awareness right now, which is great, but the call to action is how do we put it into effect? So once you have knowledge, you're not putting it into effect. It's not going to create change. It's not going to move. 
And I took a three-year break from working and when I hit 50 because I was like, what is going on with women? And through the university there, American University Department of Psychology, I started to look over all the statistics and all the work that I did with measuring what is women's empowerment. Mind you, most of women's empowerment measurements have not been done in the United States. They've been done in third world countries. So when I look at, you know, statistics and I saw what was happening, that 60% of the women that were coming to the, into these courses, which is the Megas and Kripalas, they're very evolved women already, 60% of them are statistical sexual assault violence. 80% of them were on some type of meds. Hmm. That's not including eating disorders. That's not including other dysfunctions that are going on. And here's the thing is, is, is that Me Too movement for me is that women have to use voice. We can't complain about something if we're not willing to open our mouths, create the change. And we can't keep waiting and sitting on the sidelines thinking that another woman's going to do it or somebody else is going to do it for us. And so... You know, I always look at the balance of something on both sides of something. Wonderful that this is all coming to the forefront. But that's the thing. People will not take it seriously if there's no follow through. The way we need to follow through is to create policy. Anyone can create policy. Anyone can create change. It's not like, oh, my God, I have to know the law in order to create policy. It's opening up your mouth and making a complaint and getting other people to support you. And that's how I created the law in New Jersey that a third party needed to be present in a doctor's office because I was sexually assaulted by a doctor over 20 years ago. So policy, you, you mentioned this in your video, you, and, and I like that you say that. I appreciate that. So it can be um, as simple as raising your voice in a PTA meeting or in a church community or in any um, organization where uh, people gather. It doesn't have to be on a grand governmental level, right? No, it doesn't. And, you know, most of the time people know that it's not correct, but we're not holding them accountable. So until we confront it and confrontation creates change. And, you know, as women as a whole, we don't like confrontation, you know, and and looking at all the women that I've worked with, you know, I'm always asking the question, why do women fear leading? It's always that they feel that they don't know enough. They're going to be judged. They don't want to be the center of attention and they think it's an inconvenience. So how are we supposed to do the Me Too movement if we're not stepping the plate and using our voice? You know, everyone has a voice. Everyone could create change. And, you know, collectively as women, we can even move mountains. And that's the fear. When women gather, you know, shit happens. Excuse my language, Mm -hmm. but shit happens. And that's what people fear when women gather. So the true definition of domestic violence is the separation of women. So when we separate ourselves from each other, whether it's the smallest thing from your girlfriends because you can't spend time with them to your family members to, you know, going to the PTA meetings. And this is how it starts on such a basic small level. And then it gets larger and larger. And we can't keep making up excuses. Well, the power of the Me Too movement, just all these women coming together, I think, gave us a stronger voice. How how do we take the next step together and stay, keep it together without, you know, getting fragmented and, you know, like these movements tend to do. 
you know, you're, sure. oh, your abuse was different than my abuse and, you know, yeah. this kind of stuff. It does it's, matter. it's crap, right? It, yeah. It's rampant. It's rampant around the world. It doesn't matter. I'm so right. tired of hearing the story. Right. It doesn't matter about the story. You know, it's like that's what's the problem is we're too stuck on the story. Mm-hmm. And instead of looking at it and going, all right, how can I create this change? Because this was an injustice. This was someone took something without my permission. They stole my innocence. They stole my power. They stole my femininity. They stole my voice. They stole. Okay, well, that should piss you off no matter what on any level from a guy being inappropriate of saying something inappropriate to, you know, somebody brushing up against you in the subway or at a bar to, to rape to, you know, abuse as a child. So you have a voice. And it doesn't matter if it happened years and years ago. I always say the first thing you need to do is tell somebody that you trust and you love to get it out. Because it's in, it's in every cell of your DNA. And you will consistently attract abuse if you do not use your voice. Now, you're not always going to get justice right away. And you may never get the justice that you feel that you deserve. But at least you've but, spoken the truth. Yeah. But you truth spoke to power. the truth. You're no longer holding on to it in your body, which is creating a lot of illness, disease, depression, anxiety, all these things. And we really need to go deeper and look at that. And I see it all the time. And the ugly truth is there's this secret. And behind the secret, we feel shame. We feel guilt. We feel we're not good enough. So we try to prove our worthiness by how smart we are, how beautiful we are. So we're hiding we're hiding behind this ugly secret and the statistics don't lie. The statistics are worse than ever. If anything, most women don't report it. So it's not even, it's even worse than we think it is. Yeah. Well, I've heard so many people say you can't, you're not going to put the toothpaste back in the toothpaste tube now, you know, it's out there, but I have a little bit of a fear that if we don't start taking some action, to create policy, as you say, um, that some of that toothpaste might just go back in the tube because um, boys will be boys still. And, um, you know, until we evolve to a little bit of a higher, spiritually higher species and become a little more truly equal, things are not going to change. So what can we do? What are some of the ways we can tangibly take action? On the smallest level, your own relationship. Oh, okay. Let's start there. Relationship. So, you know, as we said, men are men. Well, you know what? That's a lame-ass excuse. Because (laughs) men are men because they're taught that way and they were conditioned to do things through society, through culture, through religion, through spiritual practices, through their mothers, through the fathers. And this behavior is unacceptable. So you need to hold them accountable for the smallest thing that they do. Now, that takes a lot of energy. I mean, I don't care how evolved in that. Men are selfish at their core. And it's not like Mm -hmm. they're doing it just to push our button. It's just very primal for them. They know how to claim their space. They know what to do, what comes first. They're very focused. They're very linear. I don't try to change it. I just have to have really, really strong boundaries. Because men come from respect first, not love. So if Say I that again. Them, Say that one more time. I respect my space. They're going to love me more because that's how they communicate. If I'm always so mushy and kind and nice and, you know, oh, they didn't mean it or make excuses for them, they don't respect you. Then you become their mother and not their lover. 
Which is not sexy. So say that again. Men respond to respect. Is that what you said? Men respond to respect more than Yeah, proven that men first. would rather have respect than love. Okay. That's so for instance, when we look at male hurting, and you see a woman that's being assaulted or abused, if you took that man by himself, you know, by himself, he probably wouldn't do that behavior. But he goes into the male herding mentality because he wants to be respected by mm -hmm. the other male. Mm -hmm. So that's what the term male herding actually means. Hmm. So they're going to choose that because they fear that they're not being accepted by their tribe. So they're going to throw you underneath the bus most of the time. And then unless that man actually respects you and loves you, he's not going to stand up for you. And this is where women would fail of not, you know, understanding how the psychology of that works and how boundaries work. And they're going to want a woman that's more challenging and knows, you know, where her energy begins and ends. Because what does that do? It keeps them in alignment and it, and it helps them grow, be a better person. Mm. And that's what they're looking for. A strong female, not an imitation man. A strong female, alpha female. Beautiful. So, so it starts with our own relationship. So, so get in there and tell tell the man, tell tell our partners what we want, show them what we want. I love how you said, um, ask them to go to church with you, ask them to go to a yoga class with you, and um, you know, take a look at how they respond to that. If they don't, what do we do if they say no? <laughs> You pull your energy away because mm. then they have to understand what the value of your energy is. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, you know, um, honey, I don't like watching the news every night. You know, I'll watch it with you twice a week, but, you know, it's actually stressful for me to watch the news. So I'm going to go in the other room and watch something else. What? I'm sorry. You're not compromising with me. It's not all about what you want. And if you give them what they want, they're only going to keep taking more. It's just part of their nature because that's how the male energy works. So I'm going to go there. So just take that sex away? Is that what you're saying? Not, not so much the sex, just your energy. Do not be present. Okay. So you're going to leave the room. You're going to go do something that you want to do that takes care of you. And then they recognize that your energy is not there. And it's like, oh, well, where did you go? Oh, you know what? I'll change the station out. Can I only watch 15 more minutes? Do you mind? And then we could do something else. Or, you know, honey, I really would love you to go to a yoga class or I'd love you to go to something and do something with me. You know, I mentioned this to my sister today. Both of us have been married for a long time. And um, my sister said, you know, my husband would like me to do some of his things with him. And I, I think that is also true. My husband's really into jeeping now. He got He's all into like modding his jeep and going out and getting naked in the jeep. Have you heard about that? You know, you take all the, he's so funny. So um, he loves it when I go with him. And um, I do not want to go all the time, but because um, it really messes up my hair. But um, he loves it when I go. So I think it goes two ways, right? It goes, definitely goes two ways, absolutely. right? Yeah. So it's, it, it absolutely goes both ways. And yeah. the thing of it is, is like, you know, men are more outgoing and more social. You know, they're used to being in, in, in um, 
you know, camaraderie. They're used to doing group activities because of sports and, mm-hmm. you know, and right. they, they know how to get wild and fun and loose. And especially women when we're younger, you know, we're not used to being in that group atmosphere with other women and women really need how to learn how to be with other women. It's great. Yeah. I was in a sorority in college though, and that was not pretty. <laughs> a lot of things about the sorority system were not, were not very nice. In its, so high, in its highest about? form. What is that about? It's crap. <laughs> it's about, well, yeah. I always ask women, and it always comes down to one thing. It always comes down to asking the questions, asking the questions, where does mm-hmm. it come from? You know, why do you believe this? How is this working for you? Yeah. And it's always over a man. Mm. Oh, you'll love this. You'll love this. So my sorority was Phi Alpha Mu. And guess what that stood for? Find a man. <laughs> It was, I think it was founded in like the early 1900s or something. And I didn't know that right away, but you know, once I was in there, I found that and I was very ashamed. Wow. (laughs) It was a long time ago, Sierra, before I met you. So I can't, (laughs) I've changed a lot. So, okay. So this, this, um, action, this call to action starts in our homes with our own relationships, right? What's the next step? Like once we, we get kind of squared away, I mean, we naturally emanate from our personhood and our relationships and our family uh, unit. So we will be modeling for other people. What, what's the next phase after that? Well, the next phase is, is that, you know, you, your best practice is at home in your own relationship personally. And then you know how to bring that into the workforce professionally. Okay. So if you don't know how to hold boundaries, if you don't know what your worth is, if you don't know how to use your voice with the people who are closest to you, well, sometimes it's a little harder to do it with strangers. So that's the the, the crossover is, is once I know how to do that, and your family members are always your best teachers, right? Then you'll know how to do that in the professional world or when you're out, you know, outside of your home. Right. So... That's the thing you see a lot. You see a lot of powerful women. They could be powerful in the workforce, but they're really more like imitation men. But when they come home, they're in abusive relationships. So what's wrong with that picture? They're not as powerful in a more intimate relationship. And I hear that a lot with a lot of powerful women in the workforce. And I'm like, wow, what's up with that? Yeah. So it has to start with you Good. in the closest circle. You can't save the world. It's very codependent if you can't even do it in your own backyard, with your own children, with your own partners. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good message. we got to start with ourselves, take a really hard look at ourselves. Good, beautiful. So, yeah, I've been asking my husband to come to my yoga classes for a while. He actually did come. He came to my um, – when I did yoga teacher training several years ago – he had actually just had surgery and he came to my um, final presentation. And I was so, uh, the whole time I was like, don't do anything. <laughs> Cause he was, still, he was still getting PT. So he, I, I am a testament that uh, men will come around if you challenge them too. So <laughs> my relationship has changed and evolved and it, um, it's really, it's really beautiful. And I actually had a, a shaman who um, we went to um, right after we decided to get engaged. And he said to, to us as a couple, he said, you know, if you've been married, if, if you stay married for five years, I want you to write me a letter and tell me how you did it. 
When you are married for 20 years, I want you to write me the letter because after 20 years, it's really the payoff because you start to work on some of these deeper issues and you really get to the more of the divinity that that each of us has inside where we can come together as two whole people. He's doing his own thing and I'm doing my own thing. And then when we come together, it's so great. I always I always wanted that when we were first married, but we were too immature and we didn't get it. We needed to work on it for a long time. And that's why I never quite understood the whole idea of marriage as work until now. And now I get it. It really is. But it's, it's spiritual work. It's deep spiritual work. Compromise. I mean, I just got married. I found my partner three years, but I was single all my life basically for 18 years. So I went through a lot of men in my life, meaning that I'm not settling. I like who I am. I like what I am. It's going to take a very special man to understand an empowered woman because they say they want an empowered woman, but when they're with an empowered woman, they don't know what to do with that. Right. And so it's not like preparing over them. You know what you will and will not accept, and you know that you have your own purpose, your own life, and you're willing to compromise, but I'm not willing to come all the way over to your side. So you're going to have to meet me halfway. And I think that's, you know, for me, that's the hardest part of being in a relationship, especially if you're both very powerful people. You know, it's just if you're a leader, I know I always say a great leader also knows how to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's standing in your truth with love and compassion. And that, that's kind of what I want to do. And some days I do it. Some days I don't. <laughs> it's a work in progress, right? Well, you've been married a long time, so obviously yeah. something's working. Yeah. Mm. Still glowing. It's good. It's a good thing. Um, so Sierra, uh, the Sierra Bender Empowerment Method is now uh, international, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're still tra- yes. traveling around, taking the message of empowerment around. Is it is it changing um, post me too. I mean, since we have come out of the toothpaste, <laughs> come out of the toothpaste, toothpaste, um, has it changed that your message or is it still the same? Message? No, that's the sad part. The message has always been the same since I've started 30 years ago. It's just mm-hmm. that people are finally awakening to what it is. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, for battling this for so many years and doing all this work, and, and not being heard, very frustrating. And now that it's here, it's still like, wow, we're still too slow. We're still not paying attention. All the information is there, but it's such ugly subject matter because we've been battling this for thousands and thousands of years since yeah. evolution, you know, with, with humanity. And it's going to take a lot of work from women to shift that consciousness. And it's, and it's not like asking permission to do it. It's claiming our space, you know, and that's what the goddess is about. And women right now is stop waiting for permission to claim your space. It's your birthright. And men aren't going to say, hey, we're going to pay you extra money because you're doing a great job or the, the system itself. They're not going to say, hey, come and sit next to me. I'd love to hear what you have to say. You just do it. The good ones will. They're waiting. (laughs) The good ones will say it, but there's so few good ones. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So talk about the Four Body Fit Institute and how that fits into the the Sierra Bender Empowerment Method and what that's all about. 
coming well, up? Well, the gender empowerment came about was after my near-death experience um, from my tubular pregnancy. I died and I came back and I was asked four basic questions. And basically, the I was told that love is not just an emotion, but it's the most powerful force grounded by action and responsibility. And spiritually, where did I disconnect from the source of this love? Mentally, what were the belief systems through society, religion, media that took you further away from the source of this love? Emotionally, why do you continually punish yourself not feeling worthy of this love? And then physically, why do you consistently resist this love? Why do you keep picking the same actors and actresses in your life over and over again, the story? And those four questions were so easy to answer that it all of the bodies came into alignment where it was like, I can no longer be a victim of my life. I have to start participating. This is something that's happened to me. It's not who I am at the core. And then that system was the backbone of all of my workshops and all of my work. And then it became clinically measured by American University the Department of Psychology. And it just kept, keeps ever unfolding. And it's very simple, it's very practical, it's very doable. And now I'm opening my own institute called the Four Body Fit Institute. You know, we hear about the four bodies all the time. D- tell, us, not- tell us what the four bodies are again. I mean, you just mentioned them, but just for sure. somebody who hasn't heard of it. The spiritual, the mental, the emotional, and the physical, and in that order. So the spirit... So we're taught, yeah, we're taught to do the physical work and try to work up to the spiritual you got to start from the spiritual body because the spiritual body recognizes what love is and then it trickles down into the physical and so this is the method that has helped millions of women heal and it works for men too but i've always worked with women um you know they'd come to me and go like i've been with you for one week or one weekend and i've been in therapy for so long and not that therapy doesn't work but you're being fragmented by your life. And so the workshops actually hold a sacred space for women to do the work and go deep, go deep enough to get rid of it down to your DNA. Yeah. And so I saw so many women suffering like myself. And I said, I got to do something about this. So what is the four body fit Institute? Is that, is does that house your empowerment method or are we going to work out or what are we going to do when we come to um, St. Petersburg to uh, join you there? Sure. So the Fort Body Fit Institute is 2,500 square feet. I have a building here in St. Pete, Florida, the place to continue the research and the method to come train. So I train a lot of therapists, a lot of people in mental health, yoga teachers. It's great tools to use for your clients already. Uh, it's also, I have empowerment workshops for people that are in the industry to take care of themselves, self-care, because as healers and people in this industry, we burn out. Totally. Uh, yeah. So it's really about taking care of yourself, how to hold boundaries, how to hold sacred space, how to do this on a level that's coming at it scientifically, medically, energetically, the psychology of trauma. Uh, yoga therapy, nutrition. So that's what the method and indigenous wisdom, the method tackles all of those ways of looking at something to truly get to the point of healing. You can't just look at one thing. Right. right. And that's also with the four bodies. You can't just work on one body. You have to work on all four bodies. And they have to be equally strong and fit 
and that's that's not easy that is not easy now how does it uh compare with like the koshas and yoga or some of the other um systems that have different body have different names for the different um bodies well, being a yoga teacher myself, I'm a Kripali yoga teacher and also prana yoga, so I'm taught from a medical perspective of what yoga does. And um, so, you know, you have the five doshas, just like they consider the five bodies, which is then the fifth is the ether. So it still has it still has a yogic, um, you can say, um, angle to it, but it's 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 not just yoga. It's okay. not just coming at it from a yogic perspective. It's coming at it from an indigenous perspective. Again, it's oh, coming at it from science. Right, because you're tied in. You're so tied into the earth and the indigenous populations, right? I guess that's what <laughs> what what I'm asking. So, um, what is your what is your background? I forget. Are you Native American or what are you? No, no, no. Everyone says even natives say I'm native, but I'd love to get a blood test done. I wouldn't doubt it. But yeah, that'd be interesting. Uh, Native actually means being born to the land. So we're all mm. native. We're all born mm. to some land. But my 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 uh, teachings and is 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 about you know uh, God conscious, spirit consciousness, what that means to you, healing consciousness, which is also Christ consciousness, and then Mother Earth consciousness. And so we have to work on all three of those levels. And. You know, we could do all the work we want with our hearts and our minds, and but if you're not grounding it, if you're not working it through the physical body, you're not going to heal. Yeah, it's just an intention. It's just a concept. So this is where the indigenous practices come in. It's like they don't talk about your emotions. You have to work it through your body, and, sick, and how you defeat that, and... your itty bitty shitty committee, or any of your pain or anything. You have to work it through the body, and that's where a lot of practices don't go deep enough. Yeah. So when those ugly emotions come up, when trauma comes up, when these things come up, you know, it's 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 a very a very deep process of understanding, you know, how to allow someone to release without getting in there. So, so that's what I specialize in is trauma. Trauma is something that's happened to you where you actually went up your body in order to survive. Hmm. And so that could be an overbearing mm-hmm. parent. That could be a grief of a, a of a child or a grief of, of of a parent, a dog, anything where you're you've actually disconnected because the pain was so excruciating. But then when you have that disconnect, you have to come back. And what the hard part is is the part of your soul went with that, so, and so you have to reclaim those pieces back. Yeah. And if we don't, then it's like you're leaving an energetic hole in your body. And then you wonder why you keep attracting the same thing over and over and over again. And so it's just really simple to help people understand on a practical, workable, doable format on how to do that in your everyday life. Not to make excuses, to do the work. It doesn't have to be so hard. It doesn't have to be so deep to the point where it's painful. It could actually be a relief. I remember coming to one of your workshops years ago and, um, it was after the death of my daughter, and I definitely went through that, leaving my body. I, I know I left my body because I was having these weird visions of, <laughs> it's so funny because I remember saying to my cousin, who I had never had a, any therapy, and he'd had a lot of therapy, I said, I keep having these visions of I'm flying in a plane, 
and there's an earthquake happening. And my question to myself is, do I want to land the plane or just keep flying until I run out of gas? Now, how, oh, wow. how profound is that? I was like, I don't know what that means. And my cousin is going, what? <laughs> Let me tell yeah. you what it means. I've had a lot of therapy. Yeah, I was That's not. That's easy. You don't want to come into your body because if you come into your body, you're going to feel the anger and the explosiveness right. and you're going to feel out of control right. and you feel like the tears never end. Right. And once you give yourself permission to do that, it's like, wow. And And, uh, and as a yoga teacher now, creating that sacred space for students to come back into the body, even for a half an hour during yoga, or even if it's just the last two minutes of class in Shavasana, (laughs) I mean, that's so important to me because I know what that's like. I would love to take your class now just to be able to learn some new tricks. So yoga teachers out there, she's a real deal, so... So exciting. Uh, so exciting. Anything yeah. else? What else is going on? What Anything else you want to talk about that we could uh, put out there for the world to hear before we uh, give your information? Well, I'm going to do, um, for my global goddesses, I'm going to do an online um, membership. So that way they're still affiliated with the Institute. I could have never been here without, the, you know, the, continuing the research really still trying to battle with like, you know, college campus, rape on college campus and empowerment mm-hmm. and the big nut to crack. You know? yeah. How about the men? I think our idea, I mentioned that men with mats, I think we should, we should come up with men with mats and get men more on the yoga mat instead of, like you said, in your little video blog on in the bars or, you know, out there bonding <laughs> through sports and stuff. Just, I mean, not that sports are bad, but get them on the mat and let them, you know, and peel away some of those layers and get yeah. to get to their true selves. We all want to get there. Yeah, we love our men and we don't want to see them suffer. You're cutting out and you just said something really important. So um, I don't know if you're away from your mic or what, but you just said men need to protect the circle. Can you, can you just expound on that a little bit more? Sure. Um, for instance, hold on one second. Men will protect what's in their circle. You know, they build fences, you know, around the house. They right. do all these types of things because they protect what they love. But where it's getting lost is, is that after that circle, women are considered a sport. Mm. So what is it about that you'll only protect those women and outside of that, like no holds barred? You know, you can make inappropriate comments. You can... Some men do looks at their women. You know, when you see a beautiful woman, you know, you can't help but look. But it's the way that you handle yourself. And men have been conditioned to think that women are a sport. Like it's something to tackle. It's something that, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay for them to do. And, and again, I don't care how evolved a man is. It's just part of our culture. And it's catching them doing it. And when you catch them, it's just, you know, you giggle, you just make it easier for them to understand this is how you play a part in this. I remember taking a kundalini uh, yoga immersion and the teacher said, the first thing she said was, do you want to know how to turn a woman on? They were, she was talking about the kundalini energy, how to bring up the woman, which is the kundalini energy, how to turn a woman on. And um, all of us sat there, and we, were, we all had our own ideas of what the answer was. And um, she said, you make her relax and you make her feel safe. And I thought that was so profound. I feel like um, if we could just 
have relationships as women. I mean, in every aspect of society, um, women and men, the masculine and feminine energy where we can make each other feel safe so that we can be free to love one another. Um, this world will just, it'll just rock to the next level, right? I mean, there's well, no that's stopping a, us. Job. It's, a cher- it's a Cherokee proverb that a man's job is to hold a sacred space for women to do what she does best in the world, which is the intelligence of love. So she has to feel safe in that space. And so that's his job is to protect that. And, you know, let's not forget, what do men protect us from? Other men. So, you know, it's like I always, you know, have this conversation a lot of times with men, you know, because they want to take the subject matter away from themselves or how they participate in any of this. And they don't get it, you know, and and there's always an argument because they want to they want to overpower the conversation. And there's two things that I always say. Do you even know what the definition of women's empowerment is? Most of them know. They think, you know, we're going to control them or we want to take over. And it's like, no, a woman wants to share her beauty, her body, her love, every ounce of her being with you. What are you missing? You're missing the boat. And they giggle, you know, and I was like, so that's your definition of power is to power over. Our definition is not that. So why would you fear that? Why would you fear her wanting to spend time with you, wanting to share in an intimate space and place? That's your stuff, guys. Then the other one is 90% of violence in the world is from men, guys. And who do you protect us from? Other men. So cut it out. You know, and it's calling them on the stuff because society has let them get away with so much that... For us women to sit down and have a conversation with that and about it and really get real and raw, they get defensive because they think it's a character attack or we're blaming them. But I didn't do that. It's not that you did that. It's how you participate in thinking that that's okay. And that's the hard part, you know, having these conversations with men and they feel that they're one of those men. You know, they they feel that we're attacking them as if they're one of those type of men. I see this all the time. I hear it all the time with women, and they're trying to have a a conversation about this. And so that's where the men need the space, you know, to be heard. They need the space to understand their own emotions and how they feel because they do have women in their lives, their daughters, their loved ones. And what are they doing with all these emotions? You know, and, and it's and it's they don't want to be titled as one of these men. And, you know, you see the struggle of the guys that are supporting the women and the guys who are out there doing the work. But the society is not supporting them. The society and is the, not supporting <laughs> at all. They need healing from a lot. There's a lot, a lot that they that men have been assaulted with the pornography industry, the advertising, uh, the media. It's um it, I, I would, it's, I'm glad I'm a woman. <laughs> I think it's hard to be a man nowadays, isn't it? I, I can't imagine being a man in this day and age. I'm so glad I'm a woman. <laughs> ah! I was it's glad before, be, yeah. but I'm really it's... glad now. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Sierra, for all the good work that you continue to do on the behalf of all the goddesses and now the, the men in the world, because I, I can tell that a lot of your work is going to improve the lives of all of us, women and men. And, um, and like you said, it starts in the home. So let's just, let's start with ourselves and work outward in concentric circles. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, 
it's intense right now. It's really intense. And yeah. I, I, I just feel that people fear their own anger, you know, their righteous anger. Righteous anger means being victorious and courageous, not victimized or compromised. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to express anger if it has a focus. And it's okay because that's anger creates boundaries. And anger, behind anger is pain. So we've been taught as a society that anger is something bad, you know? And everyone is um, really, I feel everyone is really trying to understand how to deal with their frustration and their anger and everything that's going on in life today. Well, beneath the anger, as you said, is pain. I mean, there's a lot of broken hearts over these um, these men that have come, that have been exposed. I mean, some of them I thought I loved very deeply. <laughs> I'm not going to mention any names, but there's so many that we thought were just good guys. And, you know, as women, we go, wow, if they were doing this stuff, who knows who else is doing, you know, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's really hard to take in. So there's some deep deep pain. A lot of the signs are there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even when women did say something or did do something, it wasn't heard. Okay. Because they had too much power. So a lot of narcissistic men you know, is the, is the cause of domestic violence. And you have to know what the signs are, you know. And like Matt Lauer, for instance, his wife made a complaint against him. She was the model way back. Made a complaint about him about eight years ago, and they were having problems in their relationship, but nobody heard it. The same thing with O.J. Simpson. It's there, but, you know, it's always been there. It's just that it wasn't taken seriously. And so these guys in the silence is the violence is a lot of these men knew it was going on. And so when this whole Me Too movement of like, yeah, I support women, but you're not. Because if you were, you'd be holding other men accountable for their actions. Yeah. And that's where men fear, fear, fear the confrontation because they don't want to get involved. But at the same time, that's how you protect us. Yeah. Good message. We need that. We need that. We need those strong men to stand up for us. So thank you. Tell us where we can find all the information about um, the Sierra Bender Empowerment Method, your Four Body Fit Institute, your book, everything. Well, right now I'm creating a whole new website, a whole new space. I'm still in construction, but you can still go to uh, sierrabender.com. So I have my Maui boot camp coming up uh, August 9th through the 14th. Awesome. Looking forward to that. And then um, hopefully the with all construction going well, I'll be opening up the Institute by the end of the summer, this fall, starting all of my programs and certifications. And the online membership actually should be starting by the end of the summer. Cool. Very cool. Are you still breaking the boards in your boot camp? Oh, yeah. yeah. Awesome. And that is Uh, Talk about empowering. We break boards with our feet, right? Didn't we break it with our feet? Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, breaking through the uh, Itty Bitty Shitty Committee of Belief System. Yeah. So, well, thank you, Connie. Thanks for, it's so great to hear from you again. So great to see you. You too. You too. And it's so great to to see you renewed and re-energized about this because we need you here. We need your voice. We need your beautiful light. So thank you. Thank you. You too. I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm feeling total Kali energy in my menopausal years. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, like enough already. Uh, well, <laughs> so. 
powerful, that girl. 